So we began a new, I wasn't here last week, I, w- I was in Denmark actually, where the weather was much the same as it was here, and except we didn't have all the smoke, I missed all the smoke. I looked, I looked on social media and I thought that my theology was wrong and that the apocalypse had come after all, to, <laughs> but only to Alberta by the looks of it by the looks of the sky. So anyway, uh, Drake started last week talking about breakthrough living. And today I have the pleasure of talking about breakthrough giving. I'm glad you're excited (laughs) because Jesus said that everything that you give, you shall receive a hundredfold here in this life and in the world to come eternal life. So this man's blessed. How many more people are excited about breakthrough giving? How about that? (laughs) This is one of the things that pastors hate to talk about because people get all uptight about it and their buttocks tighten on the church pews. I mean, you you can feel it at times in the room. And, you know, I've often thought that it is a church thing because often people say, well, I don't like it when churches talk about money. And I've thought it must, be to, it must be a church thing because I've never seen anybody anywhere else say that. Like I've never seen anybody in a restaurant and when the waiter brings the bill, they say, hold on a minute, we have to pay for this? Are you not giving it to me for free? Well, no, we, we have overheads, you know, like we need to rent this building and pay for gas and electricity and buy the food that we prepared and pay the chefs and the, the waiting staff. And I, well, well, I just think that's ridiculous. Ne- never, never heard that, never seen it. Never seen anybody say that it was ridiculous because they had to buy a movie ticket when they went to the movie theater. But then when it comes to church, you know, it's like, we don't have overheads, you know. Obviously, we don't have pay for gas and electricity. People just give us it out of the goodness of their heart. You know, somebody gave us this land and a big bit of building. You know, churches don't run on prayer fumes, you know. <laughs> we do have overheads. We do need money, and churches need money. And actually, even if... With, and regardless of the fact that churches need money to function... The Bible itself has a whole lot to say about money, as we're going to see, and about giving. And this is a funny thing, because when churches talk about forgiveness of sins, if I was going to stand here today and talk about forgiveness of sins, nobody would think he's trying to take my forgiveness away from me. They would think he's trying to get forgiveness to me. If I was to talk here about healing the healing power of prayer. Nobody would sit there saying, he's trying to take my health away from me. They would know, no, he's talking about healing because he wants to get some of it to me. If I was talking about inner peace or the joy of the Lord or answered prayer, nobody would think I'm trying to take your answers to prayer away. You would think I'm trying to help you get answers to prayer. But when you talk about money, they say they're trying to take our money away from us. It could be that we're trying to get some more to you. Because Jesus said, give and it shall be taken away from you. Is that what he said? He said, give and it shall. Say it again. Give and it shall be. It shall be given unto you. Stingily. Good measure. We will get to that Bible verse in a minute. So when we're talking about things... It's like this, the Bible says that when we share the word of God, it's like a sower sowing seed. And if you will believe that seed and receive that seed and let it go deep down inside you, it will change the way you think and it will produce a harvest in your life. But the more I thought about it, I thought, I've come to the conclusion it's not just a church thing, this thing about money. I think that whenever something is important to somebody, when people value something, when they put a high personal value on something, they then don't like it being linked to money. You know, I presume you don't put a big personal value on a Big Mac meal. 
Therefore, you don't think much about giving a price range. But things in your life that are part of your values, you don't like it being associated with money. None of us do because we think it's more precious than money. Don't associate it with money. Let me tell you a story, a completely non-spiritual story, a non-church story. I heard the author of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, tell this story. He said he went to, um, I think it was Singapore that he went to, to to speak at a conference or a seminar. And uh, a journalist contacted him and said, when you arrive in Singapore, I would like to interview you for a magazine or a newspaper, whatever it was she wrote for. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to, you know, to ask you about your books and about your conference and so on. So he said that was fine. So he met with, with this young woman and he noticed that she had a notepad and she wrote at the top of it, Robert Kiyosaki, best-selling author. And then she began to ask him questions and while he was talking, she was writing things down. And he said the interview went really well until the end of the interview When the interview was technically over and she put her pen down and then she just began to talk to him and share with him how she was working as a journalist just now, but she really, her real dream was to become an author. And, you know, could he give her any advice about becoming an author and that kind of thing? And I don't know what kind of advice she was expecting, but he he said to her, you're actually a very good writer. When you contacted me and asked if, if I would interview with you, I looked up some of your previous interviews with the publication you work with, and I read them, and you're an excellent writer. He said to her, in fact, you're a far better writer than I am. Like, my writing is like an elementary school level. That's the way I write. Your writing is far, you're a far better writer than I am, and you've got a far better way with words. I think you, you, would, you could be really successful as an author. So here's the advice I've got for you. And he began to give her some advice to do with promotional work, to do with how to get her book out there, how to arrange interviews like she was interviewing him, how to get on radio stations to promote her book, how to contact people who do podcasts and uh, along the subjects that she would write on and get them to interview her for a podcast in which her book could be mentioned. And he said the more he talked to her, the more horrified the look on her face became. And she said, I could never do that. That would be like selling your soul. And he said, what do you mean? She said, my writing means a whole lot. It's really important to me. It's a dream of my heart. It's the thing I value the most, right? It's the thing I value. Maybe the thing that we value the most is our relationship with God and our faith in Christ. And we don't like it being associated with money. The thing she valued the most was this dream she had to become an author. And basically she was saying to him, she would feel like a prostitute selling herself if she went about trying to get promotional work and so on. And then she got irritated at him and said, it's just not fair that people like you who are not good writers are famous And people are buying your books. And people like me who are good writers, nobody buys our book. And then he said to her, I want you to look at the very first sentence that you wrote down today. You didn't write Robert Kiyosaki, best writing author. You wrote best selling author. You could have the best book in the world, but if you don't know how to get it out there, Nobody will read it. But she was so offended at connecting the dream in her heart with finances, which seemed, you know, uh, seemed like kind of distasteful or something like that to her, that she went away and probably is still not a best-selling author today. I don't know what happened to her. And I saw that 
I, I like it. You know that little light bulb that in cartoons appears over their head? One of them appeared over my, I tried to grab it, but it was gone really quick. It appeared over my head at that point, and I thought, it's not a church thing. It's a value thing. When people value something in their life really highly, they don't like associating money with it. But the point he was making is, until she could do that, until she could associate money with it, you know, Jesus said, the people of this world are more wise with financial affairs than the people of the kingdom. And until she could, she would never get our book, her book out there, no matter how good it is. Church, no matter how good her book is, it is not a patch on the message we have. Jesus Christ came to save, heal, set the captives free. God is a God of love. His arms are open. We want the whole world to know the gospel of Jesus Christ and not just keep it to ourselves. Can I get an amen in the house for that one? And so... We need to go over that. Now, the Bible talks about giving. And in the Bible, there are three different types of giving. We're going to put them up on the screen now. Three types of giving. Now, you don't have to, like, whenever, if you're given money, you don't have to say, is it a this or a that or a next thing? It's just categorized them this way, which is an easy way for us to identify what we're doing. It talk, the Bible talks about tithes, offerings, and alms, almsgiving. So a tithe, the word tithe is just an old-fashioned word that means a tenth. That's all it means, a tenth. And so a tithe is when somebody gives 10% of their income to God's house. In the Old Testament, God's house was a temple and, and so on in Jerusalem uh, that had uh, priests, a priesthood that ran the temple. But you know, we're God's house, actually, but the whole church is God's house. What, the thing that God is doing, the kingdom of God, and to further God's kingdom, a tithe is when somebody makes a decision to give 10% of their income to further the work of God. Then there's another thing called an offering in the Bible. And offerings were separate than tithes. They were over and above tithes. They weren't for anything particular. They could actually be for a number of different things. It was any amount of money given freely towards a specific project. So sometimes in the Bible, they might have had a project to, you know, like the temple was broken down and they had to renovate it or there was... Uh, um, they were sending Paul and Barnabas out as missionaries and they needed financial support or something like that. And so they would raise an offering. In fact, in the book of Philippians, one of the things that Paul says to the church at Philippi was he was thanking them for being his financial partners and that congregation was financially supporting him in the ministry he was doing. They were probably tithing to their own church there, but they were giving an offering to Paul's ministry to send him out to share the gospel elsewhere. And then there was alms. That is when we give money to the poor or any amount of money given to the poor or to help the disadvantaged. Anything you give to charity, anything you give away, the Bible calls that almsgiving. So those are the three main types of giving that are, the Bible talks about. Now, I'm going to really quickly go through a whole bunch of scripture verses. And then I'm going to tell you a quick story, and then I'm going to give you two closing points, right? But I want to go through these scripture verses first, because I know that there is a lot of confusion about the, the whole topic of giving money, you know, giving offerings and so on. And, and um, you know, you hear all kinds of things like Christians shouldn't tithe because tithing was part of the law of Moses. Well, it was part of the law of Moses, but was it only part of the law of, law of Moses? For instance, prayer was part of the law of Moses. Um, worship was part of the law of Moses. A worship team with musical instruments was part of the law of Moses. But they weren't just parts of the laws of Moses. So we'll have a look at it. So let's go through these scriptures very quickly before I get to my, my main two points. So the first one is from Matthew. And Jesus said, watch out 
don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. So, Giving is not something to brag about. It's not something to show off. If you give a lot of money to this church, we are not going to carve your name in the wall, in the bricks and all that, like I've seen that done. We ain't going to do it. You're not giving to be seen by men, okay? You're not doing it because when you, and then he says, when you give alms to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do blowing trumpets in the synagogues and on the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. The Pharisees literally did this. When they were going to go out and give to the poor beggars, they had somebody walking before them going, and they would walk past and they would give some money to the poor, you know, so that they looked better in the eyes of people. He's saying, don't do that. I tell you the truth, they've received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts and alms in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. So, Jesus is saying there, it's good to give money to help people in need. And it's also important to have the right motive in our heart as well. Let's look at the next verse. The next one is Proverbs 19, verse 17. When you give to the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will reward you. You know, if God is looking at somebody, and that person is a generous person, God is saying to himself, we can trust that person with more. They're not selfish, they're generous. Keep piling it on. The more you pile it out, God keeps piling it on. When you give to the poor, you're not lending to the poor, they can't give back, but you're lending to the Lord. And I want to tell you something, when you lend to the Lord, he pays back with big interest. And he will give you more than he will, Jesus says it will overflow. So you, when you give to the poor, you're lending to the Lord. Maybe you sponsor some children with World Vision or Compassion or Watoto or one of these organizations. You are giving to bless someone and most of the joy that you get comes from seeing, reading the letters and seeing their progress and knowing maybe I can't change the whole world. But I've changed the whole world for that one child. And as you do that, not only are you doing something valuable for them, not only are you doing something which is spiritually good for you to be generous and not selfish, but God gets involved and says, if you're going to look after other people, I'm going to look after you. Let's look at our next scripture, which is Genesis. And this is Abraham. Hundreds of years before the law of Moses, before there was a Levitical priesthood in Jerusalem to give tithes to, it says Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God Most High, brought Abraham some bread and wine, which kind of makes you think like of Jesus' covenant and communion service and all of that kind of stuff. Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. That would be a great blessing, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great if you were kind of like just standing here and all of a sudden a prophet came out and said, I've got a word from the Lord just for you. The creator of all things is going to bless you with a special blessing and make sure that you don't have any enemies in your life. You say, that's great. Well, what did Abraham do? That's great. Here's a tithe. And he says, then Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe of all the goods he had recovered. Here's Abraham tithing. Tithing was away in the ancient world long before Moses came on the scene and started writing laws about it. Let's look at the next verse. It's also in the book of Genesis. And it's Abraham's grandson, Jacob. Then Jacob made this vow. This was after 
remember he, he, had, he slept and he dreamt of the ladder to heaven, Jacob's ladder. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and will protect me on my journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, See, he's already asking God to be his partner. Be with me in this journey through life that I'm going on. Then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up, stone that he slept on, will become a place for worshiping God. And I will give to God a tenth of everything he gives me. This is before the law of Moses. This was a lifestyle thing. This is somebody saying, I want to be in partnership with God. I want God to be involved in my life, to be with me, to be protecting me, to be providing for me, to be guiding me. And everything that he does provide me with, I will acknowledge that he is the provider by giving a tenth of it back to him again. There we see tithing again. We've seen almsgiving and we've seen tithing. Let's have a look at offering. Let's, well, let's, well, let's keep going. Look, Luke's gospel. I think this is about tithing too. Yes. Even if we do tithe, we can tithe with the wrong attitude, just like we can give to the poor with the wrong attitude. Jesus said this, What sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But... You ignore justice and the love of God. You know, it's possible to be religious and obey a lot of religious laws and yet have a cold, hard heart inside. And that's what the Pharisees were like. They attended synagogue regularly. They tithed. They blew trumpets, gave money to the poor. But inside, their hearts were stone cold. With, they had no compassion towards other people. And he's saying, you ignore justice and the love of God. Now, many people just stop there, full stop. But that's not where Jesus stopped. He isn't saying, so give up tithing and just love people. He doesn't say that. He said, you should tithe, yes. Everybody say those first four words with me. Okay, let's say it. You should tithe, yes. Now, remembering that it was our Lord and Savior Jesus who said this, and we believe, we, we've just sang a song saying, Jesus, we believe every word that you say to me. We sang that during the worship. Let's say those first four words again as if we really believe them. Come on. You should tithe, yes. Elbow the person next to you and tell them, you should tithe, yes. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> Folks, I never wrote this. I'm just reading it, okay? I'm just reading it. But do not neglect the more important things. There are more important things than money, okay? But you should tithe, yes. Let's look at the book of Hebrews this is talking about, this is after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And this is, you'd need to read the whole chapter. But basically what the chapter is saying is, here on earth where the temple was still standing, people go to the temple and they give tithes to the Levitical priests, men who are born and live and die. But we... Just like Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek before the law of Moses, we give tithes not to Melchizedek, but to Jesus, our high priest who lives forever. Consider then how great Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had. The priests who collect tithes, you know, during Bible times, are men who die, but there. For us, with Melchizedek, tithes are given to someone, Jesus, who lives forever. And so of Jesus it is said, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Yes, when you give money and you put it in the offering bucket and it's coming to this church and we are a registered not 
for profit and the tax man make sure we're doing everything properly. That's here in this world, but spiritually you're really giving it to our, our great high priest, Jesus Christ, who lives forever. One more, Luke. And that is talking about giving any kind, offerings, alms, anything you give. If you give, you will get. I don't think you should give money to get. Let's see what Jesus said. If you give, you will get. I don't like this teaching where people say you should give to get. Okay, right. Let's see what Jesus said. If you give, you will I never wrote it. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. You know, in the book of Psalms, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, it says, my cup runneth over. Do you know that in, in our economy, if you, I was to put, if, if you, I was to say, would you like a glass of wine? And you put your glass out, and I poured, and I kept pouring and kept pouring until it began pouring all over the table. You would say, that's a waste. The Bible would say, that's a blessing. God is a God of abundance, and he wants our lives to be full and overflowing. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. So these are just a few verses in the Bible that talk about giving. Giving to, to support the house of God, giving to support any kind of ministry or organization or good work, giving to help and bless the poor or people who are disadvantaged in some way. These are all ways of giving. And what it's showing is giving, it's not presented as some kind of religious duty. It's presented as an exciting partnership with God. You are doing something to help other people or make the world a better place in some way or fashion. And at the same time, you too are being blessed. Not only is the person or the organization that you are giving to getting a breakthrough, but you yourself are getting a breakthrough. When you step out of this, it's just for me, it's just for me, it's just for me, and you become generous and you break out of that, you find that you cannot outgive God. The more you give away, the more he trusts you with. The, I mean, there's lots of verses we could have looked at, which said, like one that says, one man withholds what he has and comes to poverty. Another man gives generously and he prospers. You know, the, you cannot outgive God. When you give and you give in faith, it not only produces a breakthrough for someone else or some organization or some church, it is a breakthrough in your life. And very often the biggest breakthrough is it's a breakthrough of faith. Because you see, if you're, if you're praying, if you're going on a long car journey and you pray for God to protect you, and then you go on the journey, well, you drive a lot anyway. Like we don't really know whether your prayer was a prayer of faith and you really, really believe that God. But if you give money and you're doing it in faith, and it is leaving your hand. I mean, like, money is one thing that you can use to actually measure your faith. Oh, I would trust God with my life. Would you trust him with $500? Oh, well, that's a different question, actually, you know. I mean, come on. You see, so it is an amazing measurement. And you might say, yeah, all of this is good for people that have got money, for rich people, but I'm struggling. Remember the story that Jesus, it wasn't a story, it was he watched it. The Bible says that Jesus was standing in the temple, listen to this. Jesus was standing in the temple watching how much money people were putting in the offering, it says. Maybe I should wander around when the ushers are... <laughs> 
Maybe if we had bigger shirts, we might get more of an offering. No, no, no not enough here. <laughs> Jesus was watching, and a rich man put in a law, and a poor widow came and put in two coins. And Jesus says, that poor widow woman has put in more than the rich guy because he gave just, it was like change to him, but she put in all that she had. Even giving when you have nothing. You are, it's like the farmer doesn't say, I can't plant any seed in the field until the field produces a harvest first. If the field could talk, the field would say, I cannot produce a harvest until you plant some seed in the field first. Sow something and you shall reap a harvest. And listen, Yes, rich people give a lot of money. Here's a quote by a rich guy, by Rockefeller. Put it up. He said, John D. Rockefeller said, I would never have been able to tithe the first million dollars I had ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 a week. Start small, start where you are, and it will give a breakthrough. People, I remember many, many years ago when I was living in the UK, I remember we went through about a year and a half of really serious financial difficulties because of legal bills and lawyers' bills and all kinds of things that were out out with our control, and it was like we had no money, we had no money left. In fact, My father-in-law dropped groceries off to us on a few occasions because we were scraping everything together to try and pay these bills. And we prayed, and like we've... I've got a few stories that involve a thousand dollars, or in this case, it was a thousand pounds. There's something about the number one thousand. I don't know, but like, if I'm going to pray and ask for something, it has to have the word thousand in it. I mean, like, it's a waste of breath. Otherwise, I think so. I thought, okay, if it, so we prayed for a thousand dollars. Now, here's the thing: in all of this, I was still tithing, and I was praying and saying, Lord, like. I have got unpaid bills here. This doesn't seem like a wise decision, but I'm going to trust you and keep on tithing. And so we prayed for that. Anyway, then we we discovered that we were out of milk. And so I got a few dollars together, a few pounds together that we had. And I drove round to a big supermarket called Asda, A-S-D-A. Underneath it says, part of the Walmart family. Walmart have bought it, right? (laughs) And so it it was just a few blocks away from me. I drove around to it. I parked my car in the parking lot. And I went to the dairy aisle, to the milk aisle. And I was walking down the milk aisle. And somebody said, Pastor Martin, Pastor Martin. And I turned around and they said, I knew I was going to meet you here in the milk aisle. The Lord told me to come here. I've got something for you. And they took a wad of notes, banknotes. I've got a thousand dollars for you, they said. And they shoved, like, in the dairy aisle. And there's people, they shoved this big round wad of banknotes. They said, there's a thousand dollars. I said, thank you very much. I forgot to buy the milk. I went home without the milk. <laughs> and I said, that was a quick answer to prayer. People, even when we were struggling, we kept on giving and God gave us a breakthrough because giving in faith is one of the ways that you get a breakthrough in life. That actually deserved a round of applause, I think. (laughs) Billy Graham quote, Billy Graham, we have found in our home that God's blessings upon the nine-tenths that we have left when we tithe helps it to go further than the ten-tenths used to without his blessing. I have spoken to so many people who have started tithing and said, I haven't noticed any difference. In fact, we seem to be a bit better off. Give, and it shall be given to you. Today, we're going to take up our offering in a little while, but today... We have a challenge for you. And in, this, in the little thing, in the seat in front of you, where the envelopes are and so on, 
we have a, we have a card there that you can use in a few minutes. We're going to watch a video, but in a few minutes, we're going to pray and take up the offering. I know that many people don't use the offering envelopes. You use the other ways to give and so on. Maybe you give online or by text or however you do it, automatic giving. So sometimes you don't have something to put in the basket. Well, you do today. You've got a little card to put whether you have already given or not or whatever your situation is. And we just want to put a challenge out to you today to take a step of faith. Maybe you've got one step of faith to take or maybe you've already taken that one and the second one. The first step of faith we are calling the giving challenge. And I've got that up here, 2 Corinthians has a giving challenge. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, everybody shout generously, will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly. I better do it. They've had a whole sermon about it. I mean, I better do it. They they must be needing money or something today. So don't do it reluctantly or in response to pressure. The pastor's walking along with the ushers, looking in the offering. But no, no, don't do it that way. Because God loves a person who gives. How? Have you ever seen a drunk man? Happily giving away all of his money. <laughs> oh, yeah. R- rounds, everybody's got a round on me. What, you want some money? <laughs> we should be so intoxicated with the joy of the Lord that we are cheerful givers. And God will, what's the word? Generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That is the giving challenge. If you are not a consistent giver, maybe you never give at all, or maybe you give sometimes but haphazardly. You know, Make a decision today. This is my challenge to you. Become a consistent giver. I don't know how much that is. You decide in your own heart what that is. But if you say, I am going to give such, we don't need to know what it is. It's between you and God. But you decide in your own heart, I am going to give such and such an amount on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis, however you decide to do it. And I am going to be consistent with that. And I'm going to do it the weeks that it feels easy to do it. And I'm going to do it the weeks that it feels difficult to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be consistent. If you accept that, this challenge today, this is like mission impossible. If you choose to accept this challenge you shall check the little top box that says giving challenge. And basically what you're saying is, I am making a decision today to give consistently. Now, maybe you already give consistently. And maybe you say, well, I I give quite a lot, but I've never like had the guts to do the next one, the tithing challenge. Let's put the tithing challenge up. Malachi 3, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Not half the tithes, not three quarters of the tithes, but all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my house so that God's house is financed so that it continue to function. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough bank accounts to keep it all in. You won't have room enough to store it in. And then he says this, try it. You'll like it. Try it. Put me to the test. Do you know this is the only place in the Bible that God says put me to the test? Do you know every other place it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test? 
But God knows when it comes to money, we prefer it in our pocket. And so he says, put me to the, you can, this is one area you can test me. Try it out, right? Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. You will get more sales than you've ever had. Customers will be beating down your doors. Your little shop on Etsy is going to explode. Whatever you do, whatever you regard as crops, they will be abundant. And I will guard them from the tax man, insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. Then all nation, then everyone in the neighborhood will say, I don't know what's happened to the Joneses at number seven, but since they've started going to Gateway Alliance Church, they just seem blessed, blessed, blessed. All nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord. Aren't these good verses? I mean, you notice there's none of them that say, you should be ashamed of yourself. Do you know that none of them say that? Do you know they all say that God is on your side? He wants to partner with you. He wants to bless you. And if he could just get you to open up your stingy little fingers and let go of what you've got, he would fill your life with something that you've not got yet. He will bless you to overflowing. Maybe you do give consistently, but maybe this idea of a tithe of giving 10% of your income sounds scary. Listen, calculate it. It's probably not that much once you calculate it. Once you do that, if you say to yourself, okay, okay, I'm ready to take the second challenge. I am ready to start tithing. I am going to try it. I'm going to try it for three months and see what difference it makes in my life. I am going to put it to the test. And I am looking to see Am I just as well off with nine-tenths as I used to be with ten-tenths? Yes, I am. In fact, I think I'm doing a bit better on nine-tenths than I was in ten-tenths. In fact, I see crops beginning to appear in my life and new fruit beginning to grow in areas that were struggling before. So, Mission Impossible, your challenge is, should you choose to accept, it won't self-destruct, but should you choose to accept it, is to tick the little box that says the tithing challenge. I wonder what challenge you're going to accept today. You know, this is like, this is what good parents do. Good parents don't say to their kids, do you want to go to bed now or not? They say to their kids, it's bedtime. Do you want the blue pajamas or the red pajamas? That's your choice. (laughs) The Bible says we should be generous people. So I can't stand here and say, don't be generous if you don't want to. But what I can say is, do you want the giving challenge or do you want the tithing challenge? You need to ask yourself that question in your heart. And to help you come to that conclusion, we're going to watch a short video with a a real life gateway story. And then we're going to pray together. Let's watch this. So there was a point in my life about 10 or 11 years ago where I was struggling with a lot of different things. And one of those things was my finances. I was probably pretty close to getting kicked out of my house. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. And I really didn't know what I was going to do. There was an evening where I had kind of cobbled together a little bit of change, seven, eight, nine dollars. And I walked down to the local 7-Eleven to just get myself something to eat. I didn't really know what I was going to get. I just knew that whatever I got, it was probably going to have to last me. So as I was leaving the store, there was a gentleman sitting outside on the curb. And he asked me for some spare change. And I had a few dollars left over from whatever it was I got. And my first thought wasn't, well, I'm poor. I can't help this guy. You know, it was the opposite. Uh, My first thought was, I can definitely help this guy out. And I reached into my pocket. I gave him my last nickel, literally. I gave him everything I had. And I walked home 
and I just I felt good about it. I knew that it was it was the right thing to do. You know, I ate, I went to bed, I woke up the next day, and I got called, and, and I got a job. And I knew right then and there that God was taking care of me, and that by answering His call the night before, and by trusting Him, He took care of me the next day. So because of that experience, I learned that I needed to trust God with everything in my life. And that's what I've started to do. And I wasn't really good at it right away, 10 years ago. And there's probably times that I can still even be better at it today. But the key thing that I took away from that experience was God is going to take care of me. God is going to take care of my family. Over the years, a lot of things have changed. I've gotten married, I've had children, I've gone from working for others to working for myself. And through all of it, we've just trusted God with everything in our lives from whether it was the right time to start our business to whether it was the right time to grow our business and everything in between. And not once has God ever disappointed us. We've We've always felt that it was important to give back into God's kingdom. And there's a couple different ways that we do that. And one of those ways is here at Gateway. Um, but also, you know, we, we support sponsor children and we, we do have a heart for that and feel like it's very important. And I can tell you that even in the tightest months financially, it has never in a million years been a burden to make those payments you know, for those sponsor children or to give a tithe here at church. And any every time that we've gone out on a limb and just made sure that we continued to do that, even though it was maybe a little bit uncomfortable for us to do it, every single time without fail, God has taken care of us. And He has made sure that there has been over and above what we would ever need. Every time we've asked for provision for our business, we've gotten it tenfold. And I really do believe that the reason that we have these blessings is because we've been obedient to His call to give back into His kingdom. I would say to anybody who is skeptical or hesitant to open up their wallet and give into God's kingdom, I would say to you that you really do need to try it. If you start doing this and if you make this a part of your regular routine, I promise you that you're never ever going to feel like it's a chore or a burden. In fact, you're going to feel the opposite. You're going you're gonna to feel blessed and you're going to feel happy that you have the opportunity to give back into God's kingdom. And it is going to change your life. Hey man, wasn't that a great story? The progression through his life from having no money himself to owning, a owning his own business, working for himself, having a family, and being a blessing to other people who have got no money, that journey all started with generosity. Now, we're going to lift the house lights a little bit for a minute or two because there are these cards and you might want to just get your card out from the bit in front of you in a pen and decide because we're going to take up our offering in a moment and the, off, the, the ushers are going to come down the front just now with the offering bu buckets they're going to wait here for a moment while we do this because as well as collecting our offering envelopes if you are accepting one of our challenges today the giving challenge yes I am going to become a consistent giver however much that is is between you and God but you're going to become a consistent giver you're going to check that one or I'm already a giver I'm going to take the step of faith to become a tither and you're going to check that one off and go ahead and do that just now while the, the house lights are lifted a little bit you can take your cards you can take your pens and just check that off that would really help us also with regard to our offering you can use the envelopes for giving by cash or check 
the debit machine out there or of course you can go online on your phone if you're wanting to give maybe you have an automatic giving set up and you've got nothing to physically put in but maybe you're accepting one of the challenges today and just that act of putting this in like like nobody's going to come come to your house and make sure you're doing this this is between you and God it's a personal decision that you are making but the physical act of putting it in of just saying it once and for all could be the breakthrough moment that you need just like that verse where Jacob said I am making a decision Lord to partner with you I need you to be my provider and I will be a tither just take up one more minute and then we're going to pray and then after we pray the buckets will be passed while we're waiting and people just finishing off let's stand together we're going to stand we're going to put a prayer up on the screen now it's one we've used before we stole it from another church it was so good we thought we would keep it we're going to make this statement of faith basically what we're saying is we are making a decision to be generous to give tithes and offerings and we know that when we make that decision to be generous people that God partners with us and that he gives back to us good measure and running over so if you've got an offering envelope to put in or if you've got a card to put in or if you've given on your phone you could hold your phone in your hand but hold something in your hand you might want to lift a hand up to God as we pray or whatever you do and we're going to say this together are we all ready to pray? Let's say this together. One, two, three. As we tithe and bring our offerings to God, we are believing for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, estates and inheritances, rebates and returns, interest and income, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, debts demolished, royalties